Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with John Bonatovich. John is the founder of an amazing business, which is an HR-focused staffing firm called Willery. And so, as I said, they're HR and payroll-focused, and they have done some amazing things, both in terms of sharing thought leadership via a book, but also via a community which focuses on helping the HR community and you know developing careers and solving problems and so much more. So, Fascinating area, and I want to get into it. But firstly, John, thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, Ben, I really appreciate it. So glad we were able to connect and looking forward to our conversation and making a new friend. Absolutely. That's the coolest part about podcasts. It's a intimate experience for both of us, and hopefully we don't forget it for a yeah. lot of good reasons. Definitely. Yep, for sure. I agree with that. So, John, you started the business quite some time ago, 2010. Can you give us the backstory as to your background? What led to the formation of that? And then we'll get into the business itself. So tell us about the founding of Willery. Yeah, very long story short is I spent 10 years working at ADP, the outsourced HR and payroll company. Then I left there, got the entrepreneurial itch after I started a small company that I still have that's not related to HR and payroll. Got into the executive staffing business and decided after my daughter Mallory was born that I wanted to spend more time at home than in an office. So I decided to create a virtual company remote in 2010, which was somewhat groundbreaking. People thought yeah. I was a crazy, including my wife, who luckily <laughs> finally agreed to it. Maybe after I started, I'm not sure. <laughs> We're still debating when she agreed to that finally. But almost 14 years later, we are one of the premier HR and payroll staffing and consulting firms. We're a great group of people that are really making an impact in HR and payroll devoted to that work. And we do two things. We help clients fill open HR and payroll positions. We're a headhunter for HR professionals and payroll professionals. We also do some staff augmentation, fractional support. And then our consulting practice has really evolved into being narrowly focused in the HR tech space. So we support clients with vendor selection decisions, when they pick their vendor, helping them do client-side implementation, stabilization, optimization work with the whole goal around all those services is to help HR become a competitive advantage for our clients' businesses, and they can really transform work through the power of HR. Absolutely. I must say, you mentioned in there that you've got a great group of people there. You are nice people. And I've noticed that in some of the tone from even just the social media content, like a lot of businesses would talk about either what we do, what we sell, or how we help potential customers and stuff like that. But you spend time talking about the people you've got there and how great they are, make promotions. I've noticed that there's a trend there and you know, celebrating those successes. So I think it's a wonderful thing because if you're going to go and help HR, which has such a flow on effect throughout so many businesses, then it's important to start at home, right? And start with the right business culture. It's a lot of effort, but it pays off, I'm guessing. Is that right? Well, I'll tell you this, if you're going to be in the HR business, you better do HR right, first and foremost. Otherwise, you're kind of leading by a bad example. And we've taken that to heart. And then I've been very blessed, man, very blessed. A bit lucky, I will say for sure as well. When you hire people, you aren't quite exactly sure 
We do a, a rigorous vetting process. But the first two employees I hired back in 2011, they're both still with the firm. And that oh, wow. helps to tell the story. They've grown up with the business. And then we've added some incredibly great people along the way. Now we've had turnover and people that it sure. wasn't the right fit for, just like any other business. But to a client, we have time and again been told that you really saved the day. You helped us out with this need. And oh, by the way, your people really know what they're doing and they're really easy to work with. And that's really the mindset that we have. That's the the vision that I have as the owner of the firm is let's make it easy to do business with our customers. Let's make an impact and solve the problems that they have. And then let's give back to the HR and payroll community. They pay our bills. They help allow us to grow and be the firm that we are. And if you're not loving on them and caring for them, then we don't frankly have a business. Yeah, absolutely. And at the stage of the formation of the business, as with anyone who starts a business, you can go in all sorts of directions. What made you choose that certainly on the staffing side? And then I think the consulting, the technology piece came possibly later, but what made you choose that direction in the first place? Two quick stories on that. Number one, when I was at my old firm before I'd had both of our kids, I was sitting in my office and that's when I had an office and I actually had a desk phone and the phone rang at nine o'clock and I pick it up and I say, hey, John, I got referred to you and I hear you do staffing for HR. I'm like, yeah, sure. We did a bunch of staffing, sure. just not HR. It was a generalist HR firm and did the intake with the client and great. It was awesome. We got the team focused on doing that search. Go to lunch, come back. I got the red light on my phone. If you remember that when you actually yes. had a voicemail and there was a red light on your desk phone, checked it. Hey, John, I was referred to you. I heard you do HR staffing. Oh yeah, I do that. Great. And then sure enough, end of the day, right before I leave, I get another call. Hey, John, I got referred to you. I hear you're in HR staffing. And I thought to myself, well, this is really weird. So fast forward the tape. I decided to start my firm. My business partner at the time wanted to remain a generalist executive search firm. So it was a very amicable separation and we yeah. went on our both ways. And then on the technology side, the reason why I wanted to get into that, I started Willery as a staffing firm first. And as you said, we did evolve into providing consulting services. But when I used to sell for ADP, I thought of this, it was such a unique experience. We would partner with clients and prospects. We'd solve problems, we'd ideate, we'd whiteboard, we'd figure out all these solutions, these strategies, and then we'd want to do this or that with ADP. I'd help work them through the contract. They'd get all the right people aligned. And Ben, the moment we would kick off the project, immediately went from euphoria and love and admiration and like you're on the honeymoon to the <laughs> next week, well, wait a second, where's the contract? I'm going to get a divorce. I don't like this. This implementation <laughs> is a pain in the you-know-what. Mm. We don't have enough resources. We didn't set right expectations. And it was just so bizarre. And one time after the other, it happened. And I just realized that clients were under-resourced to be able to effectively devote the time they needed to effectively implement a new technology. And I built a consulting practice just to focus on solving that problem. I observed in a very small sample size and 14 years later and almost 500 plus clients, my guess was close to being right. I'm not sure <laughs> it was hundred percent right, but we saw a need in the market that needed some level of support. And I've been really blessed and fortunate. I'd say on the staffing side, there's been less firms that have gotten into doing just HR and payroll. That's mm -hmm. for sure. I've seen a lot of investment in firms getting into the consulting side of HR technology. Yeah, for sure. And on a slight side note, you've got a couple of people who've been there since the start or the 
first highs and they've stuck around, which is a huge sign that not just the culture and the way things are done, but the fact that the product, the service works because people don't want to stick around where everything's broken and there's things falling through the cracks. It's just not a fun place to be. But then secondly, you've acquired all these customers, clients, and I'm sure many of them have been repeat or expanded business, all that sort of stuff, which means maybe this is more around the technology piece now, but not just a good surface, but you've also thought about the stuff that can go wrong. Because you you mentioned that as you're doing the ideation stage, everything's happy days and, and everyone's smiling. But then when you get into the implementation phase, things go wrong. I bet you've seen so many things that can go wrong that now you plan for them in ahead of time and setting expectations and resourcing properly, which A, prevents those problems from happening in the first place, but B, gives the customer, the client a sense of confidence and hence referral rate goes up, people stick around and expand a business. Is that a fair summary? It is. Yeah, I would say for sure that I'm a big, I'd like to do analogies and my director of consulting might cringe when I use this analogy, but if you've ever been to a restaurant that makes a hamburger, or if you've ever been to Chipotle that makes your favorite burrito, there's a process to that. You mm. go and you take your order, or they tell you, what do you want? What are your options? And you roll your way through the line. And the next thing you know, you get the burrito made exactly how you had ordered it or the same with the hamburger. And what we've done is we've gotten really great people that understand the steps and the process that it takes to effectively implement and then ultimately go live, stabilize, optimize, and transform technology and there's a recipe for that. There's a formula. There's a step-by-step -step process that we take. And we bring that process with exceptional people that have domain and technical expertise. They know the system that they're in. They know the functional area. And we sprinkle on top of that. They're just really good people that know what they're doing. Nice. And I would say the process part came later. We were lucky to get the people part right more times than not. But they would go find another project or I wasn't smart enough to realize that the process is really what people eventually end up buying or being attracted to, especially the people that are working at the firm because they go into a client that hair on fire, we're not going to go live on this system. I'm going to get fired because I committed to our CFO. We do this on time. We come in, we assess, we figure out, we put our process in place. And then a month later, all of a sudden they go from, the goat to the hero, so to speak. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool evaluation. I just had a client of ours that just went live on a system that had a very, very lean staff in their payroll department. And they looked me square in the eye and said, John, when you sold this deal to us, you told us the two resources you were bringing were the best two people within 500 miles of our location. They wanted someone on site, which is somewhat rare these days. Yeah. And I committed them because I knew it. I've been in this space. I knew the two people we were going to put on the project. And sure enough, six months later, their payroll manager looked me in the eye and said, they are two of the most exceptional people we've ever worked with in our lives. Wow. And we are live on this system because of them. And I think to myself, there's a lot of value there. And oh, by the way, she also complimented that with the sprinkle on top that said, they're really great people too. <laughs> nice combination. So if I swing to the staffing side of things, so you focus on the HR and payroll, in your position, you see so much, you see trends and common concerns and stuff. What are you seeing at the moment? What are the biggest concerns for HR and payroll folks? On the HR side, just completely overwhelmed with too many responsibilities, too much work that needs to be done in order to do it at a high level. Some significant inefficiencies from a technology standpoint, I don't think HR professionals run toward 
technology. So therefore they don't take advantage of that cheat code, I call it, mm-hmm. and the chance to to leverage some systems and process improvement to make their job a little bit easier because they're just asked to do so much more with so much less in less time. So I think it's a real resource constraint. It's a lofty set of expectations, which I think the expectations are fine, but then the reality of what companies end up investing in HR to be able to meet those expectations, I think are off. The technology side, as I mentioned, just underutilization, frustration with the marketplace. And then on the payroll side, I think it's a major resource constraint. I don't see the newer generations running toward or wanting to get into payroll processing, payroll administration, payroll management. I've never met a payroll professional that told me I dreamt when I was a kid to be a payroll manager. (laughs) It's just not something that they do. They all fell into it. Hey, our payroll manager quit and you know how to run numbers and you're organized. You need to run payroll. And the next thing they know, 25 years later, they're in the profession. There's just not enough people in payroll. We see it all the time. And then as a result, when you have limited resources and you're trying to upgrade talent and your pool is compressed and it's not as rich or plentiful as it could be, it's a problem for clients that are really trying to elevate their payroll departments. Absolutely. And people in payroll are a bit like referees in sports. You know, no one ever comes up to them at the end and say, we won because of you. Thank you. They only ever come up to complain. Something's gone wrong. Fix it, you know, and so they cross. So it is a tough gig. That is for sure. Tell us, you are a famous published author now with HR Like a Boss, your guide to amazingly awesome HR, which is a wonderful title, I have to say. Can you tell us about the book? Why did you write it and what's in the book? And then secondly, you've started to build a community around that, which I think is a brilliant idea. So the book and the community, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I wrote the book inspired by somewhat of a personal tragedy. Both my parents passed away in a short period of time. And for those that can see this behind me is a mural my mom painted of the fall season in Asheville, North Carolina, as you drive through the mountains into where my parents lived. It was a a very monumental painting in my family's life because my dad adored it. And Mm, it ends up being the viewpoint is where my mom's ashes are spread. So it's got a lot of emotion to me. And my parents meant everything to me. They supported me. They provided so many unique platforms for me growing up as a kid, resources. I was a competitive golfer. I got to play in golf tournaments across the world. And then when I was out of school and, and on my own, just incredibly supportive, loving people. When they passed away, it's kind of like one of those moments of I better grow up now fast. And filling that void, you never do because no one quite loves you the same like your parents do unconditionally. Yeah. I got this crazy idea in COVID that how am I going to fill the time and pour my heart into something? And I have this really unique knack as a golfer. If you know golf, Ben, golfers can be a bit different in the obsession for (laughs) getting that little white, the little white ball into the hole in less (laughs) strokes as possible. And you can become obsessed with it. Well, I became obsessed with writing a book. It was something I had always wanted to do. I had some friends, maybe those that are listening know, like Steve Brown, Tim Sackett, Ben Eubanks, Chris Dunn that had written HR-related books. And I looked up to them. They were friends of mine and people that I admired. I thought, well, they can do it, so can I. And that was really the motivation. My parents passing away, it was a way for me to pour my heart from a business perspective and do something creative, to remember my mom, who was an artist, and my dad, who was a CEO and executive. It was kind of this unique combination of art and business. Because I cannot draw, I cannot paint, I cannot (laughs) sing, I cannot dance. 
I get told that a lot. I can't miss dance, those jeans. My daughter. Yes. <laughs> but I went on the journey of writing a book. And then in the midst of writing it, I realized this power of compounding, you know, just doing something a little bit every single day. I put my head down every weekend and committed to a thousand words a weekend. And I said, if I do that, by the end of a year, I'll have 50,000 words. I also made writing my book very public in my social media platform. I told a lot of people in my inner circle. And then one of them said, hey, John, it's not good enough just to tell me. You got to tell everybody because if you tell everybody, then you're likely going to do it. Yeah. And I didn't realize the outpouring of support I would get from that, the amount of interest people would show in writing a book. I joke all the time. I've started six businesses. I've been married for 26 years. I have two wonderful kids. What great accomplishments in my life. I beat Tiger Woods at golf. That was something that people find great interest in. But writing a book is the number one thing people want to talk about. Hey, you Mm. wrote a book. Tell me about it. And I'm trying to figure out why that's so interesting to people. They don't believe me, I think, when I told them I beat Tiger Woods, but I I do have proof (laughs) of that. Anyway, I get into this, okay, I finally have a manuscript, I'm halfway there, and then Steve Brown, my friend from Cincinnati, referred me to the publishing editor at Sherm Books, and he was really interested in the title, and once I sent him a brief synopsis of what the book was like, the form to fill out to be considered as an author, and then a writing sample... It was a done deal verbally, and then we took some time to get all the contracting stuff done and had about a year to prepare after the manuscript was done before we actually launched the book. There was a number of factors went into that that time frame not being condensed, and I think it all worked out the way it was supposed to. In that space of time that we have between signing with Sherm and the actual launch, we conceptualize this idea of the HR Like a Boss community. The reason why is that I've read a number of books in my later adult life, and I realized the ones that I I ended up putting into motion the most were the ones I emotionally connected to. And then I also had some additional resources available to me. Scaling Up is one that that Vern Harnish did a great Mm -hmm. job in writing that book for small businesses. And then James Clear with Atomic Habits had a bunch of resources available to them to take the concepts in the book and then go to a website, whatever the case might be, and see those tools and resources. As a result, we built the HR Like a Boss community. We have over 250 people in that community today, just a few months after the launch of the book. I'm hoping to get 1,000 people in the community by the end of this year. Eventually have over 10,000 people in the community, long range plan and What the community does is it provides a platform for people to collaborate, like-minded individuals that want to take their HR game to another level. We have eight and a half hours of SHRM recertification credit, a bunch of exclusive content they get access to. There's actually like a course you can take around doing HR Like a Boss. If you want, you can get a certification on HR Like a Boss and throw that badge out on LinkedIn. Can't wait to see those come to fruition. And then the last thing I'll share about all that, Ben, is... When I wrote the book, HR Like a Boss, I learned two things. One is I have a lot of really bad ideas because when you write them down and you read them back and you're embarrassed when you're actually reading your own words, you can't put them in the shredder fast enough or delete them off your computer. But there was one idea that really stood out from the book is making sure that your personal purpose aligns to your organization's purpose. And I don't see a lot of businesses really promoting their purposes with intention. Bomba Socks is a great example, one that's done an incredible job in the States. Subaru has done an incredible job in their advertising around connecting the wealth of their success 
to real social issues within yeah. the United States and across the world. So I give him a ton of credit. Anyway, can't talk the talk and not walk the walk. So the purpose of the HR Like a Boss community is to make sure every graduating senior in the United States, well, maybe we have to do this in the world now that I'm on your podcast, <laughs> but at least we'll start in the United States. For those that are graduating, I want to create a study group for them to be prepared for their SHRM certification test. And then I want to pay for that. I want the community to pay for that and allow them to launch into the HR Like a Boss world with that credential, as well as with that community and all the support that comes with it that SHRM offers. We started off in 2021 with five students that got their SHRM certification. 2022, we did five students, sorry, five to 10, and now we're up to almost 30 in this year's program. So wow. I see that growing exponentially, and, and I look forward to the chance of it getting to every student in the United States that wants to pursue a career in human resources. That's fantastic. There's so much good stuff in there. I mean, going back to when I was asking about what's on the minds of HR leaders and HR people and payroll people that you know, there's just so much going on, spinning all these plates, not enough resources and support. And so I have seen inside the HR Like a Boss community, and yes, there's the course and learning, but there's opportunity to ask questions and discuss things and just get things off your chest to a degree which I think is so important. So you take that and then you expand that over time. You aim for the 10,000 number and then going beyond, but also bringing in the students. Because when I finished my college degree and I knew nothing about HR, even though I thought I knew it all. So the fact that you're giving them exposure to this stuff, but also exposure to the people who are living it ahead in the journey. I think it's a wonderful mixing pot, but in a very structured way. It's a big goal because the way I see HR is that one single person can have an immediate impact and a longer term impact on the people in that workforce because you're changing the way managers, leaders, supervisors do their business. And you can create a better culture, a more efficient business, all sorts of flow on effects. But then you've got all these people doing it in lots of different organizations. You actually can have a really big impact on communities, economies, et cetera. So I think what you're doing is helping that happen. Some people don't necessarily think big like you've done. How do you do that? Do you just wake up one day and go, you know, I think I'll have a community of a thousand, ten thousand and bigger, or is that I'm going to go out and take a walk on the beach? How do you think big? Yeah, I appreciate the question and thank you for the compliment in that regard. I will say for a long time in my career, Ben, I was a goer and a doer, ready, aim, fire kind of guy. <laughs> and and it lent me a lot of success. I was able to do a lot of things in a small amount of time. So I was able to Law of averages would say I would get it right eventually, or I would get it right sometimes and not all the mm -hmm. time. And I just think, frankly, age and experience has showed me the power of thinking things through and playing the long game. Simplest mm -hmm. way for me to put it, Ben, is just the older that I got and the more experience that I had and the people that I spoke with that I, I marveled at their success and their demeanor and their approach to business and life, I really feel like they believed in a greater good than them. They gave way more than they asked in return. And they were getting tenfold return for the things that they were as a giver. And then the long game for me is really around, we got this issue in the world around work. And in the United States specifically, you've seen it, I'm sure, the Gallup 12 survey is probably the most popular data point that tells us people generally just don't like work. They're mm. not engaged there as a whole. That stinks to me. It's borderline criminal in some regards, if I think about it, 
spending 80,000 hours of your life doing something you're not engaged in or don't want to really do. It's a means to an end. We've heard that mm -hmm. way too many times. Mm -hmm. And I think human resources, after thinking through all this stuff and talking to people on my own podcast and writing the book, is that HR has the greatest opportunity to change that of any department inside of any yeah. company. Yeah, I think a CEO singularly can change yeah. that if he, she, or they want to. But I think HR as a department has that chance to change it. And I also thought, okay, there's people in the business community that have no experience to 40 years of experience. And if I can look at getting at and supporting and telling the story of HR Like a Boss to those that are just starting out their careers, as well as those that have been in their career for 40 years, maybe one person will see the responsibility and opportunity they have in HR a little bit differently. Yeah. And I've just been doing things like your show and speaking engagements and writing the book just to hopefully give people a chance to reframe their mind on, like I said before, the opportunity they have in HR and ultimately responsibility they have to transform work through the power of human resources. And I really feel like the net of it is, do you feel like your business views HR as a competitive advantage? Do we look at the human resource department as something that's making a difference? It's driving results for our people. It's bringing in the profitability or revenue or whatever the business is measured off of. And if we do those two things really well, can we transform and attack real social issues in our community and do good as a result of that? So that's from a big thinking standpoint, it's just years of experience and skinning my knee too many times and making tons of mistakes and seeing other people make mistakes and then observing every once in a while, wow, you got to figure it out. What are you doing? And they're just methodical and thoughtful and strategic. That's really the story behind how I got the vision and then just trying to execute on it just every single day to try to get there. It all rolls up together. The earlier days of just getting lots of stuff done, taking action, you need that later on to be able to sort of sit back and look at the bigger picture because you've put in the reps, I guess. So that's one big element. And then you did say playing the long game. And that's a theme I hear a lot of when I speak to people and running their own businesses and on the marketing side, for example, that so many people have had developed big platforms or become big keynote speakers and things like that because they started a blog, for example, or they wrote every day on LinkedIn, or they did a short little video here and there and just kept doing it. In your case with the book, you know, I'm going to do a thousand words every weekend or whatever it was. It's a bit like getting those reps, but those things, they add up and then they start to accumulate. And before you know it, it's starting to snowball in a positive way. So I think that's great. You mentioned some of the things you've been doing, but people listening to this who are trying to have an impact on workforces, businesses, organizations through whatever they're doing, whether that's HR, recruitment, talent management, you know, diversity and inclusion, mentoring, all those sort of things, they want to grow their businesses. And one of those avenues is marketing. What sort of things have worked well for you in terms of marketing the business side, not so much the book and community, but the business being the HR and payroll staffing and then the technology side of the business. What has worked well for you and maybe has not worked over time? And do you have any suggestions for people listening? Yeah, Ben, thanks for asking. I think the the what worked, what didn't work for me was, what didn't work was not believing in the power of social media and not immersing myself into what it is and what its potential can be. A lot of people have negative connotations towards social media and that marketing side of it, which I get and understand. And what I think people don't like is it doesn't seem real or it's overdone or it's over marketed. I'll use Taylor Swift in the United mm -hmm. States as 
someone that's maybe overdone it, but her brand is so globally recognizable that there was consistency there. And I would say just being genuine and authentic about what your brand is, but also being intentional. No, I knew what my brand was generally, and I also knew what I wanted it to be and having intention and a plan of attack around that. And then once I had that plan, just being consistent and repetitive, not the same things every time, but around the same content. I wasn't blogging or posting about 16 different topics 16 different times in a row. It was consistency around HR Like a Boss, about transforming work, about the impact of great people in your business, how technology can leverage it, things that relate to what I do every single day in my work and I'm super passionate about from a professional perspective. But that's really it from my standpoint. Be real, be genuine, be consistent, be repetitive, find something you love to do and just do it one day after another. And the repetition, that compounding interest you have on that repetition can turn you into, like you said, a published author, a sought after keynote speaker, a successful business leader. Most people are on social media and they're observing what you're doing. And it's a way just to stay in front of them and tell your story why you're not meeting with them or you're not able to meet with everyone at one time. It amplifies your brand in a way that's very unique, very unique. Yep. What about people who would say that since the pandemic, for instance, LinkedIn has got very crowded and noisy and people don't hear or see what you write so much or get your posts and things. Should they stick to that, do more of it, add other elements to their you know, marketing, another string to the bow? I think each person has to find what works for them and what connects with their audience, in my opinion. We've tried platforms. We've tried X extensively. We're getting back into Facebook because we see a lot of HR professionals hanging out there and learning from that. We've tried TikTok. We can't quite connect to TikTok yet. Instagram, we just have seen the most impressions, engagement, the data points that you look at from our LinkedIn content. And I think the main thing with that is that LinkedIn is very professional, but personalizing the professionalism of LinkedIn would be my suggestion. I see way too many thought leaders out there and people that are influencers that I know are spending a lot of money and are very intentional about their brand on LinkedIn. And it's way too contrived. It's way too controlled. The videos they create are just, they're too perfect. It's just (laughs) too good. And you know that it's manufactured, it's produced Mm. versus the stuff that I try to do. And I'm not saying my way is right. I'm just saying it. what's works for me is it's as real as it can be. This screen back here is it's a piece of cloth, right? (laughs) It's not a fake background. And I'm a real human being and I have faults and I make mistakes and I try to be as genuine as I can in that platform. But LinkedIn's been, it's helped me amplify HR like a boss because it's a business related topic that people seem to gravitate toward. I haven't figured out X. I haven't figured out TikTok. Maybe we can hire you, Ben, and you can show us how to do that and amplify there. I'll make some HR dancing videos for you. Don't worry. We've got that covered. So just lastly, tell us about the podcast because you covered some wonderful content, some topics and things like that. Do you enjoy doing it? And what do you cover? Yeah. HR Like a Boss podcast was a total mistake and something (laughs) that it's kind of like our post-it note at Willery. When I started, the idea behind HR Like a Boss was, okay, here's this business owner that serves HR and payroll community. I've done HR myself, but I've never been an HR manager. I've never practiced HR full-time for more than 
maybe one week when we hired 10 people and I was the person hiring all of them. That was okay. a terrible time because <laughs> I'm not good at HR in some respects, but I understand the business and the strategy and the alignment to the yeah. organization. Anyway, I thought, okay, I'm writing this book. The best way for me to do this, to tell these stories from my perspective is then have the topics that we're discussing, they align with or they're complemented by comments from people that are doing HR every single day that are either sought after thought leaders or people no one ever even heard of before, but I just knew that they were really good and had a story to tell. We started interviewing these people, George Sample and Lauren Rudman are two of the names that come right to mind, both Clevelanders and dear friends of mine. And my marketing director, after two or three episodes said, hey, John, just so you know, those recordings that you made on Zoom, I think I can turn those into a podcast. Let me try that out. Nice. Sure. Great. Next thing I know, she shows me the example. Wow, that's not so bad. <laughs> and we ended up creating a structure for the actual podcast, which you mentioned what it's about. The beginning of the show, we give each of our guests a chance to share their story. Then we always start and end the show with the same questions. What's the purpose of human resources? And I've gotten a different response to that question by every 140 yeah. guests that we've had so far. And then we end with, how would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? And similarly, we've gotten 140 plus different answers to that question. So mm -hmm. the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And in the middle, we talk about topics that are subject matters that they're experts on, that they have a passion for. And I absolutely love doing it. It is such a thrill. It's so interesting to see people's responses to being on a podcast. You maybe know from people that are completely natural to those that are a bit contrived, they're using it for a means to promote themselves. I've had 30 year plus grown executives that were scared out of their mind <laughs> being on the podcast. I could tell they were nervous. They were reading their notes. Yeah, they were yeah. shaking their papers. Yeah, it's a wide range of these yeah. emotions and different ways that people gravitate to it. And of the 140-ish people I've had on the show, Ben, probably at least half, if not close to that, have never been on a podcast before. Wow. It was their first chance to do it. That part was really cool. Yeah. And like I said to you in the beginning of our show, it's a really unique way to connect with someone. It's yeah. a really unique and different way to connect with them. Definitely. To have this kind of conversation, you don't normally do it unless you're lucky, unless there's a reason why you're doing it. You're at a bar, you're on a flight somewhere, or you just so happen to have a business reason they need to understand more about you and your company. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And we're going into season five in a short bit. And it's been amazing. We've taken the podcast on the road to do live shows at nice. HR conferences, which has really been cool for us and people there. And again, it's just a way let's give back. Let's have fun with HR, give them a platform to share their story. And, and that's been really amazing. So lastly, what does doing HR like a boss look like to you? Well, the definition of it is long-winded in some regards because of, again, when I ask the question, I get all kinds of different yeah. answers. To me, as the author of the book, it's about connecting the purpose of the business to the people that work there, to get people to align to what are we doing here? How does my role fit in to the bigger, greater good of this organization? How does it impact business results? And there's five main tenants. There's five main pillars. There's five sections of the book. Think differently, be different, be better, take action, make an impact. And you have to love and own what you do to do HR like a boss. You have to have a true passion for people. You have to understand and love the concept and game of business. 
you have to treat your job like it's your own business and take a sense of ownership to what you do. Just don't mail in your work. Be a pro, own it, love it. And that's what HR Like a Boss is all about. Well, fantastic. So folks listening to this, make sure you do go check out the book, HR Like a Boss, your guide to amazingly awesome HR, but also check out the community itself. As I said, I've been in there and had a really good explore. It's a wonderful resource there. And I think it's going to make a difference to individuals, but also to communities. And also, as I said, businesses and economies, I think it could have that reach, especially with the ambition that John's got there. So John, if people want to learn more about all the stuff we've covered, what should they do next? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Two things I would say. You can go to hrlikeaboss.com and learn all about buying the book, getting excerpts, check out the podcast. You can join the HR Like a Boss community. I'll give you a tease here if you'd like, anybody that's mm. listening. If you type in the coupon code BOSS, B-O-S-S, so B-O-S-S, you'll get access to that community free for one year. And that's our way of giving back to the HR community. And then nice. secondarily, I love email. I love receiving emails, although I get a little bit overwhelmed with them sometimes. I'm John at Willery.com, J-O-H-N at W-I-L-L-O-R-Y.com. If you heard something you liked or didn't like or think I'm crazy or have a question, please reach out to me. I promise I will respond. It will not be a robot. It will be me. And I really appreciate the chance to engage with my audience, my community, the fans of HR Like a Boss. It's been a life-changing experience for me professionally. I will do it again if God is willing. Excellent. So John, that's fantastic. If you're listening to this on the go, we'll have the links and the email as well. So thank you for that, John, as well as John's LinkedIn. So do get in touch. And if you are in HR or payroll and you're looking at your own career options or you're looking to hire in, particularly and fill vacancies and things like that, do get in touch with Willery at Willery.com. John, thank you very much. I have to say again, I love that painting behind you and I love the fact that you got that printed out. I think it's a wonderful idea. I'm going to try and steal that idea myself. So thank you. And thanks for your time today as well. Yeah, my pleasure. Ben, keep up the work. appreciate you supporting, amplifying, helping to market all of us in the HR community. We need the help to amplify this and get the message out. You know I'm passionate about it. I'm not going to do it by myself. So as many people you can help support that on that same mission and purpose, let's get after it. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, John. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.